but uh, kind of like that Game of Thrones, the dragon blood, mm-hmm. you know, I have tiger blood in me kind of thing. Wasn't that Charlie Sheen? That was Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> we completely <laughs> came around. <laughs> we went from Harry Potter to Game of Thrones to Charlie Sheen in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Atchison Public Librarians Podcast. I am the children's librarian, Patrick Glancy, with my co-host, Kaya Boyd, the teen librarian, and this is episode four of our Oceans of Possibility series. Aw, yeah, oceans. (laughs) Dynamite drop-in, Kaya. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So today, we have even more tales for you, and of course being obsessed with creatures that are in the ocean that is kind of what mine is because i found several lists of all of the different things in mythology and folk tales that have to do with water did you know that grindylos are not only in harry potter i don't even know what grindylos are like i have Get read the books out. but i don't recall what grindylos are in the water and they grab Harry by the ankles and try to drown him. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. I Thank forgot you. the name. So they were an actual creature in folktale. It's a British, obviously, but specifically in the county of Yorkshire. Grindylows are described as tiny humanoids, kind of, with the scaly skin and the greenish tinge, just like in Harry Potter. Honestly, she stole it right from mythology mm-hmm. or folklore. As she did with a lot of stuff. I'm trying to get a mental image of the movie version of it. And I... They're very like weird little gremlin yeah. things. And the they have sharp claws and teeth and then like long thin arms with fingers that are strangely strong. And Grindylows are used as a warning for children, you know, to stay away from the water. Because the whole deal is that they drag children down to their death. <laughs> I feel Which, like half of mythology and folklore is a way a to scare kids it. not to get in trouble. In my notes today, almost every single one is like used as a way to warn <laughs> children away from water or would kill women and children by <laughs> drawing them into the water. Similar to the bunyip, which is an Australian Aboriginal story. And they live in the swamps and lagoons and water holes, and they would eat people, especially women and children. Like, they would point out they have a taste for women and children. Oh. But they would also be blamed for illness near the swamps, and they had, like, round heads and long necks and tusks and flippers and weird, all very weird conglomeration of body parts from different animals. I just had a weird thought. What if the whole women and children first thing on a sinking ship is not the noble thing that we uh, usually associate with? Oh, yeah, they're with? pacifying the, the creatures in the right. water so the men don't get killed. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Ash rays, which are Scottish, they're also called water lovers, but they're similar as well. They live underwater, they're nocturnal, and they're completely translucent. But if they get into the sunlight, they melt into a puddle. They could be male or female, and they also drag people to their deaths. Because um, I guess just not knowing how to swim wasn't explanation enough for the deaths by drowning that would happen. I mean, what sounds cooler if you're talking to your friends? Like, Uncle Ted 
drowned because he threw back a few and couldn't dog paddle or some strange creature (laughs) sucked it down. The next two creatures that I have, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail, especially with Melocene, because these are my two favorite ones that I found this week. The first one's a little funny and slightly inappropriate. Oh, good. They have three places where they can fart from because they needed extras and they fart a lot but the kappas which is in japanese mythology it's a type of uh yokai it's like an amphibious yokai yokai being their spirits that usually have animal-like qualities to them it kind of roughly translates to river child because they're the same size as a child but they also love cucumbers and wrestling (laughs) And they're greenish, again, with webbed feet, and they have, like, a turtle-like shell on their back, almost like a soft shell, like you would find over there. And then they have this dish on their head, and their heads are filled with water. And if they come out of the water, they have to be careful and protect it or not fall over, because if they spill the water out of their head, they're defeated. That's how you actually get rid of them. Interesting. Because they have a dish on their head. It's great. That's got to um, get in the way of the wrestling matches. Uh. Yeah, it would. It, I mean, that's why they find wrestling such an intense sport. It's life or death. Yeah. None of that scripted WWE stuff. No, they mean business. <laughs> and like I mentioned, they have several openings for passing a gas, which also goes with something that they're blamed for doing several times, because there's this mythical organ in a lot of the tales called the Shurikadama. And it's basically a person's soul, but it is located in their butt. And this I've type al- of... I'm no theologian, <laughs> but I've always thought that I'm just repeating. It's a very, I mean, it's a very funny type of tale. Because obviously that's not in all of the Japanese tales, which is why it, this one's so funny. And they will steal people's shurikodama. And that's kind of like their M.O. They're known for stealing it. And there's a couple of shows, like comedic uh, animes that they made, where they make fun of this fact. Hmm. Um, So that was one of my favorite ones that I found. Because there are just so many details to that one that have no explanation other than it's been around for thousands of years. And and now he apparently really likes cucumbers and wrestling and farts a lot. I'm not going to lie. I would probably watch that movie. My final and favorite one that I found was Melusine. It's actually spelled and said several different ways because this myth is prevalent in especially French, but like Luxembourg and Germanic areas right there in the middle of Europe. And it's part of the like myths of Avalon and the Grail and things hmm. like that. Just much lesser known than the Arthurian ones. And it is tied to the noble bloodlines as well. Melusine is a spirit of fresh water and wells and rivers. And she's the mother of a bunch of royal lines. Melusine's mother was a fae that married a a nobleman. And when he married her, she told him, I'll agree to marry you unless you break this oath, which is how a lot of those marriages happened to fae, apparently. But They're the oath, complicated. yeah, they, there's always a condition, and the man always breaks it. 
The condition that she married him on was that he was never to look at her when she was bathing or birthing or bathing her children. And, of course, he breaks that oath and he peeks at her when she's bathing her daughter, one of her daughters, and she has three of them. And so she flies off and uh, raises Melusine and the other two daughters in Avalon, which is the mystical island right Mm -hmm. off of the British Isles. When Melusine is about 15, according to some of the tales, she finds out how her father betrayed her mother and plots revenge on him. And when her mother finds out, she curses her own daughter to become half fishy serpent, kind of, on one day of a week. So some of them, a lot of them say Saturday, which seems like a very specific day to be half a monster. Feels like if you're trying to curse someone, ruining their Saturday is probably the most yeah, effective way. It's kind way. of a dr- It lets them continue to have a job, but right. uh, they, they don't get the fun day. Yeah. She becomes half scaly. It's, it's kind of a different depiction, which I'll talk more about here in a second, from like the waist down. And so she goes and finds another nobleman, a different one, and also makes a similar deal with him that he can't watch her on Saturdays, basically, or when she bathes, because a couple of the, you know, there's a lot of different versions of these tales. Mm -hmm. But basically, she makes another deal with a nobleman that she would marry him as long as he didn't break an oath, and then he breaks it. Of course. And he looks at her on Saturday and sees that she's half serpent slash fish, and she grows wings and flies away never to be seen again. But she also protects her line because she had several children with him. So, like, that noble bloodline, they -hmm. would be like, we have serpent blood, kind of like the Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's how the Slytherins came about. Everything circles back to Harry (laughs) Potter. The best part is, is that she's portrayed in a lot of art. Melusine is portrayed as um, half human on the top, most of the time with wings, uh, and then with either, like, a serpent, but most of the time with two tails, like, one for each leg. They're fishtails. And get this. Melusine looks just like the Starbucks symbol, which has the two legs coming up and she's holding them. Mm-hmm. Because they, they based the Starbucks symbol on a portrayal of the siren, which is just like hers. And Melusine's tail kind of got like adapted over the years to where she's more of like a succubus type of creature in Germany. She's a pre-Christian water fairy type or like a changeling or she even mother's changelings in Britain folklore. Mm. So she, I mean, her tale has been retold and retold and she kind of has different roles in different areas, but they all stay pretty consistent with her getting betrayed by a dude and then turning into her form and like flying off. There was a tale where she married a man who was a noble. Again, I mean, that stays consistent and she had several children with him. And she would go to church very inconsistently and always leave before the Eucharist. Uh-huh. And so he got his private, like his private guards, to hold her and not let her leave church during the Eucharist. And like they're trying to force feed her the Eucharist, <laughs> and she just sprouts wings and her tail, and then like flies off with the two youngest sons. 
never to be seen again. So it's sort of like a comic book. Like you make, you can play around with the details, but you got to yeah. keep the origin story. The, the origin story is pretty consistent. Yeah. She's mentioned in a lot of other tales, or like a lot of other tales are based on her. But she is in Final Fantasy. There's a character named after her that's like a siren type. She's also a siren character in The Witcher Three and in Gwent, Whoa. the game that's based, you know, that you play within the Witcher game. And that is my collection of water themed creatures that i found that i had never heard of honestly before a menagerie other than the grindelwald yes my menagerie of water creatures but i'm sure you have a much more story centric yes i do have a tale to tell last week i came at you with a brazilian tale now we're gonna go to norway it's a very opposite end of the earth yes it is and this one is all about why the sea is salty. Our story begins on Christmas, the happiest time of year, and it stars two brothers, one of whom is very rich and the other is very poor. Now, the poor guy, he's on really hard times. He doesn't have a scrap of food around the house, nothing going for him. So he goes to his brother and ask, can you please give me something for our Christmas feast? My wife and I are desperate. Please help me out. The rich brother is tired of the poor brother bugging him, asking him for handouts. He's reluctant. The poor brother begs and pleads. And finally, after he says he'll do anything, which is never a good offer to make. Yeah. The rich brother's like, fine. Here, you can have, if you'll do anything, you can have this whole slab of bacon. And he gives him a big package full of bacon. I'd do anything for a giant slab of bacon. Yeah, he says, take this and go straight to hell. (laughs) (laughs) The younger brother, he takes things very literal, apparently. So he sets off with his side of bacon off to find hell. And he wanders around through the countryside. The lady sister of thor or the place the place okay (laughs) he wanders around the countryside kind of lost not exactly sure where hell is and he stumbles across this old man chopping wood and says hey how you doing good evening and the old man greets him he says where where are you heading to pal and the poor brother says well (laughs) Funny you should ask, I'm looking for hell. And the old man, (laughs) very nonchalant, says, well, just so happens, it's right around the corner here. Uh, I'll I'll point you in the right direction. But you know, once you get inside, the devils are going to want that bacon. Because who doesn't like bacon? You can fight me for this (laughs) bacon, is what he's thinking. Well, yeah. I would kill people for this bacon. It's all he has. You know, for Christmas. But the old man gives him a little advice. He says, don't sell the bacon until you talk them out of this hand churn that they keep behind the door. He's like, it's a very special hand churn. Trade it. Trade the bacon for the hand churn. Come out here. Stop by me again. I'll show you how to use it properly. The poor brother walks into hell. 
I picture it as like just a big bar with demons like hanging out. I, it doesn't really go into real graphic description of what hell is, but it seems to have a feel of like a tavern. And the devil himself is sitting there along with all his demons. And they turn around pretty much the second he walks in. They're like bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my household. Yeah, right. Immediately they're on him. They're like, hey, won't you uh, trade us for that bacon? He resists. The devil is like, come on, man, you're in hell. I don't even know what you're doing here, but you can't just bring bacon in here and not hook me up. Finally, the poor brother says, this is all I have for Christmas. My wife's going to kill me if I come back empty-handed. And the devil says, well, what will it take? And he says, why don't you give me that hand churn behind the door there well the devil feels pretty good about himself he's like ah whatever that's no big deal i just scored myself a bargain he hands over the churn the poor brother hands over the bacon takes the churn goes back out and meets the old man okay is the old man odin does he have one eye uh does not say anything about being odin or having one eye old man shows him how to use the churn because this is no ordinary churn, but we'll get to the details on that. He shows him how it works. The poor brother heads home. Doesn't get home till midnight. His wife is a bit perturbed. And she says, where have you been? It's midnight. It's actually Christmas now. He says, I took the long way. He doesn't mention that he's been hanging out in hell. To hell back? <laughs> yes, literally. And she's like, well, did you get anything? And he's just like, I got this churn. And she's like, what? <laughs> I heard that as W-U-T. <laughs> yes. What? He's like, check this out, though. You know what this place could use? Some Christmas lights. She's like, yeah, sure. He's like, hey, Churn, make us some Christmas lights. And it does. He's like, Where are the Christmas lights coming out of? I don't know. It's a magic churn. Don't question the logic. <laughs> Sorry. He says, this table's looking a little bare. Could use a new tablecloth. Churn, hook me up with a tablecloth. He's it having does. this churn make a lot of things that aren't food. Right. Well, then he gets to the food. Oh, okay. And they, they have a great feast, and it's the best Christmas ever. And he starts making all this, all these great treats for the next 12 days, because, you know, they celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. And he's also making gold. The usual stuff that if you had a magic churn. You yeah. Would... You're going to be churning out <laughs> some money. Wow. <laughs> so as the 12 days of Christmas are going on, words getting back to his brother. That, that he's rolling in it. Yeah. He's like, what the, how did this happen? So he Did I give him a magical chunk of bacon? Right. <laughs> he shows up and he's like, what is going on, brother? How are you getting all this nice stuff? And he's like, oh, you know, I got this churn. You know, it, it's pretty cool. He's like, where did you get that? And he's all sly. He's like, I got it from behind the door. The story makes a point of how he's so sly in saying this, but it really doesn't pay off at all. <laughs> Thanks for dropping that little red herring that means absolutely nothing. It's funny that you mentioned herring. We'll get to that in a bit, though. <laughs> what? 
the rich brother, who's no longer the rich brother, I guess he's the poor brother. They don't have names, so this could get confusing. He's not poor. He's just not as rich as the right. The now. not as rich, the now not as rich brother, says, "I'd like that churn. I've helped you out a lot, bro. Why don't you give it to me?" And the now richer brother says, "Yeah, okay. I might be willing to part with it. You have helped me out a lot. Tell you what." He says, I'll sell it to you for 300 bucks, but I need a few weeks with it. The now not as rich brother says, okay, I guess that's fair. Hands over three bucks. The now richer brother, terrible names I've given these guys. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. Should have stuck with the original rich and poor. He's like, I can churn out enough food and gold and stuff in a few weeks that I won't need it anymore. And he does just that. And then he brings the churn to his brother who hands over the 300 bucks and he leaves the churn with him, but he doesn't show him how to use it properly. The other brother who is now in possession of the churn tells his wife the next day, why don't you go out fishing with the men? I'll handle dinner. Cause it's going to be a piece of cake, right? She's like, okay, sure. <laughs> She's like, great. I'm not eating today. They go out fishing, and he says, you know, some herring and broth sounds delicious. Hey, churn, make me some herring and broth. And so it starts to do it. He's like, you can stop now. But he hasn't been taught how to properly use the churn, so it it doesn't stop. The house fills up with broth and herring. He has to, like, make a dashing escape through through the window. It bursts through the door and starts to fill up the countryside. He starts running towards the sea where his wife is coming back. She's thinking, I haven't heard from my husband. It should be dinner time, though. He probably needs some help. And he comes running over the hill with a tidal wave of broth and herring chasing after him. He's like, get out the way. (laughs) Clear the area. He runs all the way back to his brothers. He's like, if you don't do something, the whole country is going to be full of herring and broth. Which we definitely do not <laughs> want. It's going to really kill property values. And his his brother is kind of a jerk at this point. He's like, <laughs> well, I guess I could do something if you gave me another 300 bucks to take it off your hands. And the other brother is like, oh, fine, fine. Here's 300 bucks. Just make it stop. So he goes, wades through the broth. <laughs> every time you say it. <gasps> Finds the churn, gives it the magic directions. It stops. The brother takes the churn back to his place, keeps using it. He has, like, he's got this great mansion. He's got the best house. Everybody, as they go past, has to you know, gawk at his amazing house. He's living the high life. A sea captain comes along, sees the house. He's like, wow, this is a great setup. You know what? I'd like to buy that churn from you. So he sells it to the sea captain who takes it out onto his boat. He's like, this is going to be great. Only problem is, once you again... You keep making oranges, and they would never get scurvy. Yeah, theoretically. And he could salt all, you know, 
his meat and stuff. Oh so my god, I just remembered what the story is supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah, right? It's not how the sea got orangey. How the sea became vitamin C rich. How the sea became tang. <laughs> the sea captain takes the churn out on his boat, sets sail. He decides, I'm going to use the churn for salt so he can preserve his food while he's on the high seas. Only problem is, he was in such a rush to get out of there with this fancy churn. He was afraid the brother was going to change his mind. He, he never learned how to use ask, it. Yeah. So he says, grind me some salt. And it starts to make salt. And he's like, I think that's enough salt. But it keeps grinding salt, salt, more and salt. Overcomes the boat. The boat sinks to the bottom of the sea, where it is still producing salt to this day, according to the story. And that is why the ocean is salty. I really enjoy the folktales and the myths that are like explanations for natural happenings. It really gets to like the seat of our fears of not understanding things. I think Uh that we invent these stories to explain things that we can't control. And that's what I think that, I mean, that's why we find so many stories like that. Even most of the water spirits and creatures that I talked about were explanations for why people drown or like, although as you pointed out, your, a lot of the creatures you mentioned, like you can actually do something about drowning, learn to swim. (laughs) Right. We can't do anything about the ocean being salty. Right, that's not... But you can learn how to swim. (laughs) If you want to get your badge for pledging to end your use of single-use plastics and get a free reusable book slash anything bag, we have them behind the desks at the library. One per person, please. And you can claim that badge for yourself, as well as get a water usage test kit to find out how much water you are using in your home. And as always, you can get a badge for listening to this because we feel like you should earn something if you've made it through to the end. The code word for today is... Herring. That's a gross code word, but we're going with it. Thank you for listening this week, and we'll see you next week. I'll see you next time.